What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Happy to be with you on a Victory Monday. As you see the shirt there that I have generously been given by the folks over at Homage. Shout out to them. They have awesome, awesome 49ers stuff. If you want your own Victory Monday t-shirt or any of the other cool apparel that they have, you can click the link, uh, the link right in our description in our show notes. It'll take you right to the 49ers stuff. They have fantastic items. Shout out to Homage. We love them. Thank you for being a sponsor. It is a Victory Monday. It's a Halloween Monday, which is my absolute favorite holiday. So I am in a super good mood as I wait here for Vish to join us. This is under review with stats. Vish, he's going to hop on in a minute. We got a lot to talk about because the 49ers absolutely boat race the Rams once again. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful to see. It was a little scary in the first half, not going to lie. In the second half, however, the 49ers outgained the Rams 230 to 61. It was an absolute beatdown in the second half. And one of the things I want to get into with Vish is, did the 49ers adjust? Did they change something? Or did what they were doing just suddenly start working better? Because that's something we want to get into. Also want to hear from you. So please give us your questions, your comments everything. We want this to be as interactive as possible. That's part of the reason we're doing it live. So uh, feel free to throw in your comments. Tommy watching on the YouTube page says the lambs are a dirty team. I don't know about that. I mean, they had a one late hit out of bounds, but it wasn't exactly like a, you know, a career threatening hit, Tommy, and they did get penalized for it. Bernie watching on the Facebook page says Kyle had great plays on Sunday. Can he get some credit? And he deserves some credit. Sure. Absolutely. Kyle Shanahan called some good plays, but he actually got his team to execute on Sunday in the second half. And that's what I want to give him more credit for, right? The play, the long pass to Dwelly, the 57 yarder, like it was caught, right? It wasn't just, oh, Kyle got him open and they couldn't complete the pass or whatever. No, they executed. It was caught. They got the benefit of that. That's the other half of this that we haven't seen so far this year. 49ers were great at doing half of a good play, half of a good thing. On Sunday, they absolutely did. As we welcome in Vish Kumar. And what's up, Vish? What's up, Stats? My fault my fault on that. Uh I got I got a little bit of a technical issue here, but we were able to fix everything. I'm here now. Three minutes late to the party, but what's going on with you? It's Victory Monday. Check out the shirt. We're finally here, huh? Two weeks into the I know. We've been waiting for one. We finally got it. I have so much I want to get into with you on this game, but I haven't spoken to you really since the game ended. So just kind of give me your overarching thoughts from the week eight victory. I think it looked like every 49ers game versus the Rams look right. The 49ers are just physically overwhelming and the Rams can't match that physicality on either lines of scrimmage. And, you know, early in the game, McVay always, if you notice early in the game, when the game script is still alive, the score stays close. Cause usually there's a Debo Samuel first quarter, first drive 49ers touchdown that gives them an early lead <laughs> besides yesterday and week 18 of last year. So um, because of that, right. Um, like McVay is usually able to kind of, they're not, they're not able to run the football in the 49ers, but he comes up with this plan of, okay, I'm just going to really manage the game. I'm going to get us into third and short where I think Cup and Stafford can just make play after play for us. And then I'm just going to go screen, screen, screen. 
misdirection, handoff, screen, misdirection, handoff, screen, and yep. just try to manage the game and protect my quarterback because they can't block this pass rush. And really, they get screwed anytime game situation puts them in a drop back pass situation because it's really just Stafford and Cup on offense. There's nothing else for the Rams. They don't block well. They don't run the ball well. They don't, you know, beat man coverage well. It's Stafford and Cup. And we saw that over the course of the game. We saw the early success McVay was having when the Niners offense was not really um, physically overwhelming the Rams defense like they usually do. And then once the Niners offense really flipped that switch and started physically overwhelming the Rams, the Rams had to go one dimensional. The script looked just about the same. I don't think there was any key changes to the way the game looked. I thought Garoppolo played terrific, much better than he's played, in fact, in the past against the Rams. I thought he really was awesome yesterday. But besides that, Rob, I... I I find it difficult to come here as happy as I am on a victory Monday to say, well, the 49ers just fixed all their problems. Everything's good and dandy. Here's the run now, because I've seen this too many times against the Rams. I think they have a formula to beat the Rams, and I think that formula works. I thought I still saw some of the mistakes that have been arising in some of these other games, and I don't think they really played a factor yesterday, which is great news. I think Christian McCaffrey looks phenomenal, which I thought before the trade itself. So I'm excited as well. But I got to see a little bit more consistency from this football team before I can give them the credit that they deserve. Because when they play like yesterday, we think they're Super Bowl. They should be in the Super Bowl conversation. And they certainly have the talent for us to talk about them that way, Rob. But we need to see a level of consistency in terms of performance before we give them that. First of all, it's not a victory Monday, as Diego points out on the YouTube page. It's a victory Monday. Ex excellent by you. Uh, Tom is America watching on my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. Please feel free to subscribe. Happy Victory Monday, fellas. Keep up all the good hard work. Appreciate your efforts. This is something that I want to get into because I've wanted to dissect this with you because I feel like I've talked about this as well, right? This is what we do when the Niners play the Rams. They always look good, so we get all super pumped up. And here we go. Here come the Niners. Then they play somebody else and they don't look at it. But what did you see yesterday that's not repeatable? Because what I saw was almost a seamless transition of Christian McCaffrey working into this offense. It was exactly the way we thought it would be when they acquired him. And nothing that he did yesterday, Vish, seemed unrepeatable to me. No, right. That part of it to me is great, right? He's a great player and I knew he would fit. Now, Rob, I think they're going to have a little bit of a difference in terms of the usage. I don't think, I think it's definitely a good, a good problem to have. But to me, the best offenses on football always have a clear cut number one guy. And you know who that guy is. And on big downs, they know who their guy is. And there's a pecking order on how the targets get distributed. And right now, for me, with the Niners, it's a little bit murky because at the beginning of the season, I thought that pecking order was clear, and they called plays like it was very clear. Debo Samuel was going to get the ball 10-plus times in every game, and then everybody else is going to get whatever targets there are left to redistribute. That was the – it looked like the plan against Chicago. It looked like – then Ayuk, who's certainly been emerging – throughout this time has kind of taken uh, advantage of the opportunities he's had because yeah. Debo had the poor game against Carolina, the Atlanta game. He was okay, but he didn't do a lot of damage until the score was really two touchdowns down. 
And then, of course, he didn't play very well against Kansas City, and he ultimately got injured. And so for me, Rob, as much of it as it's a good problem to have, right, because that means the Niners have a lot of talent, I am interested to see how this all fits together once Debo comes back. Because you didn't pay Debo Samuel $25 million a year this offseason so that you could trade for Christian McCaffrey and have him be your workhouse and bell cow within your offense. So, and then Brandon Ayuk, right? Brandon Ayuk is a guy who's on his third year, right? As much as we don't care about, we think it's all about winning for us as fans, Brandon Ayuk has a really good opportunity to make a lot of money this offseason and set himself up for a second big contract. So how do you think he would feel if Debo Samuel comes back into this offense? Ayuk is playing great, but now they acquired Christian McCaffrey, and now Ayuk doesn't get targets. I don't say this to stir up drama, really, because I think Shanahan can figure this out, and we've never seen an issue with the 49ers where skilled players are unhappy with the number of touches they get. And I think George Kittle is the one who sets that tone because he's been (laughs) such a good player for so long, and he's basically phased out of this offense. Like, George Kittle is basically... He'll have two catches a game to remind you that he is still the best tight end in the (laughs) NFL, but he won't statistically show it to you. And then the blocking, of course, is always great. But so I I, I do think there are some question marks from that standpoint. And then the running game, right, Rob? We haven't seen them stick with the run game this consistently except against the Rams. When they play this team, they know that as long as they make them over one-dimensional at some point in their game, that defensive line is going to overwhelm the Rams' offensive line. They overwhelmed them last year, even with Whitworth, and even with those um, Austin Corbett guys who left this offseason, Brian Allen playing both times. So they know it's going to overwhelm them. So to me, Shanahan talked about not sticking with the run enough against Denver. Then he said it to Mark Schlereth that they weren't going to make that mistake against Atlanta because he felt like if they ran the ball versus Denver, they would have won that game. Well, he did make that mistake against Atlanta. He got completely away from the run. And then the Chiefs game was 28-23. The Chiefs game was probably the best we've seen this run game look all together the entire season. And they got, what, 14 carries off? So for me, like Rob, I agree with all of those points. And I think they're all like, real points when we talk about this football team but until I see some sort of consistency against any other team besides the Rams it's always just going to be like I know what they can be I know how talented they are I'm never going to disagree with any of those things but it's time that we have to see these things translate on Sunday because this team is capable of doing what they did yesterday every single week or every other week and right now it feels like they do it once in a while and then they go back and they disappoint Rob. Rob yeah. rants for two weeks. Everybody calls <laughs> Rob a hater. Then Rob's too positive on Monday. Well, it's funny because I'm getting a lot of people that are trying to come at me. At halftime of this game, I tweeted, well, it's pretty much over because Kyle Shanahan is 7-30 and 30 when losing at halftime. And then now, today, this morning, and after the game was over, people are like quote tweeting me being like, how do they know? Whoa, this, was, this didn't age well. It's like, dude. First of all, it's a tweet. It's supposed to be reacting to the moment, which is what I was doing. Second of all, that's what historically has happened under Kyle Shanahan. He was 7-30 and 30 when losing at halftime. So don't come and act like you're dunking on me now. I'm so just I'll, I'll, the I'll fact. inverse that stat for you. I posted a stat yesterday. Sean McVay in his career has lost twice uh, when leading at halftime. He had right. the infamous 45-0 and record that the 49ers came back from the 17-0 deficit yep. at halftime week 18 of last year. 
that epic comeback, you know, capped off by that third round, third, third quarter. What was it? 17 play drive with no passes until the last pass until from Debo Samuel to Juwan yeah. Jennings. That was spectacular. And then yesterday was the second time in McVay's career he's lost while leading at Shannon, uh, leading at halftime. There's just something to it. There was a stat posted yesterday by this account on Twitter called Monday Morning Quarterback, and he said 20% of Kyle Shanahan's victories have come against the Rams. And I responded to that tweet right. saying, I don't know how to internalize that stat. On one hand, it's amazing that 20% of his victories have come against one of your division opponents. That means you're looking at and say, well, the first thing to me when I look at a head coach is, do you play your division well? I don't know if they play Seattle and Arizona that well altogether in Shanahan's tenure. I mean, they did lose to the Josh Rosen, Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray has given them a little bit of trouble. Uh, they were 0-2 against them last year. And Seattle has just been, you know, the last 10 years, they just own San Francisco. It's been that way. It's been insufferable. I'm hoping things turn around this year, by the way. At least they got that week two win. So feeling better. Huge. But, right. But but with the Rams, the Niners have always seemed to kind of dominate this matchup. And so on one hand, it's great, right? 20% against a def uh, defensive opponent. But then on the other hand, I'm looking at that stat and meaning like 20% of his uh, wins have come against an opponent. He, places, he plays twice a year and he's been coaching right. for six years. You know, that's 12 out of what 16 times six, uh, 96, 12 out of 96, one eighth. We're talking about one eighth, almost. Yeah, that's that almost super fast math. Yeah, just did in your it's almost ten percent of his game. That's almost ten percent of his games coached. So that means he's not doing very well against other people. Which is why, as a huge Shanahan fan, I didn't know how to take that stat. To be honest, right? No, I mean, look, coming into this year, the 49ers were six and zero against the Rams and four and eight against the rest of the NFC West. So he needs to stack those division wins. He needs to put this offensive performance together against other teams, but not to harp on it. But I want to go back to it mostly because I'm just so excited about it. But like the Christian McCaffrey plays yesterday, one of the things I absolutely love from him, and it's the dimension that I feel like maybe will finally be added. And it was the fact that Jimmy hit him on so many checkdowns yesterday it wasn't like oh this is a designed play for christian mccaffrey no jimmy would go through his reads nobody's open as you're seeing right now on the stream hit mccaffrey five six yards down the field he makes three people miss and he keeps gets a first down and keeps the chains moving that was the one criticism well not one that was a huge criticism of jimmy garoppolo he doesn't throw the ball away and he doesn't check it down he's always forcing it into traffic well he didn't do that yesterday because he didn't have to do it. And if he can get that in Jimmy's head, I feel like that will be massive because that will limit some of the turnovers that have crushed this team. All right, then let's talk about Garoppolo, right? Because I do think that's a real point, Rob, and him checking the ball down yesterday created a massive impact throughout that game because Christian McCaffrey's yards after the catch, everything about Christian McCaffrey is special, right? I don't, I've been banging that drum since the trade was made, so I don't need to continue because otherwise I'm just going to, you know, sound like, you know, how certain some people talk about when they're talking about certain players, like the D riding would be kind of crazy with me and Christian McCaffrey. So I'm not going to do that fully here. I think he's phenomenal. If you want to go see what I think, go see any other show I've been on in the last two weeks. I love Christian McCaffrey, but here's my issue, Rob. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the only quarterback in the history of the NFL. I feel like we do this with, right? He has given us a consistent picture, Rob. 
You told me this after the Carolina game. We know what he is. And after the Carolina game, I was like, well, you know, he did these things better. I haven't seen him do these things this well so many other times. And then it was immediate regression. Garoppolo yesterday was outstanding. I'm not going to sit here and say he was anything other than that. He played like a true veteran quarterback should in in, in a division game. He was exceptionally accurate. I don't think he really missed a throw the entire game. Even his misses were pretty accurate. He was putting the ball on the money every time. I thought he managed the pocket, moved within the pocket really well. Thought he was going through his reads, making really good decisions. One of the best decision-making games it feels like we've seen from him. Um, He just played so well, right? He played so well. But to me, that's the best of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the veteran quarterback. That's the mature veteran quarterback. If the 49ers had that quarterback, you know, Micah Parsons might be on this defense today because they don't move up for Trey Lance if they have this mature, under-control Garoppolo because mature, under-control Garoppolo is not an issue really physically. Like, yeah, he's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have the biggest arm, but he moves well enough within the pocket when he's efficient and he knows where to go with the football and he's accurate as hell um, when he knows where to go with the football and he's not rattled and decisive. And all of those things came through last week. But, Rob, I'd never see him check the ball down regardless. He did and yesterday. And one game with Christian McCaffrey is not going to make me think that Jimmy Garoppolo all of a sudden is going to start checking the ball down consistently. And that's kind of where I'm at with this offense. I'm not at a point where I'm telling you none of these things can't happen. I cannot say that. We just saw it happen. But I'm also not at a point where I can tell you that because it happened yesterday, the 49ers are now going to be consistently doing things on offense because the magic of this team and the magic of the quarterback is that he's so inconsistently cons- or he's so consistently inconsistent. Play to play, game to game, it's an experience with Garoppolo. And if he plateaued and played exactly how he played yesterday, the 49ers would have won two out of three Super Bowls. Yep. And there would be no Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo probably gets his second huge contract from the 49ers. <laughs> Whatever Jeez. contract Stafford signed, Garoppolo gets it. And we all love Garoppolo because when he plays like that, not a soul can criticize him. He was outstanding. Mr. Joe on the YouTube page. Guess what, guys? Jimmy is still trash. We win one game and all of a sudden we're good. Miliano on the YouTube page. Jimmy's had games like this and then everyone thinks he'll learn from it and change his bad tendencies. But it's always the same cycle of disappointment. It's not about Jimmy. It's fans that don't learn. That's fair. And I agree with you. I, I, you know, you got to expect Jimmy to be who it is. And maybe I'm just hoping here, but it just oh, looks so, too, right? it just looks so easy like for that, him. You think. Right. Like if you're Jimmy, you're like, wait, I didn't have Debo in this game. I wasn't really hitting Kittle. All I got to do is throw it six yards to this, this running back who's wide open in the flat and he's going to gain eight more and get us a first down. Like, damn, I could get used to this. And I hope that that gets in his head. If if it does nothing else but limit some of the turnover-worthy plays, that would be enough because he did have a couple yesterday. He had an interception that I don't know how Jalen Ramsey dropped, to be fair. So that um, one, do you really put on him? Well, I get it. He probably should see Ramsey, but Ramsey's coming on a blitz. And then it's kind of a freak athletic play from Ramsey. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. body jump up, yeah. But like... You've also played Jalen Ramsey a bunch at this point. You got to know he's capable of that. But again, that happens to every quarterback, every game. But if Christian McCaffrey does nothing else but just help limit some of those, I feel like that would be worth it. I said yesterday in the instant reaction show, the difference between McCaffrey going to the Rams and the Niners was the fourth round pick that the Niners offered that the Rams didn't have to offer. He earned the fourth round pick yesterday. Like that just yesterday's game alone is worth that fourth round pick.
Well, but Rob, I, I think that those who are questioning the McCaffrey trade, I, I was not one of those people, right? And I prefaced my reaction to it by saying I'm also a fan. So as objective, as real as I try to keep it, when my team trades for a player who I view as, you know, a top five or six offensive weapon in the NFL, whose talent I think is truly remarkable, you won't find me being disappointed about it because Christian McCaffrey is that special as an individual player. But I don't know if yesterday tells you that, you know, Christian McCaffrey all of a sudden, you know, solves whatever issues with execution we felt existed within the 49ers offense. Like what Christian McCaffrey did yesterday was kind of what Debo Samuel's done every time they play the Rams, which is just have a huge freak show, individual, all time, unstoppable, <laughs> best player on the football field type performance where you own the Rams, you dominate them. And I know Christian McCaffrey is capable of that. I know he's talented enough to do that. So I don't have questions about him, actually. My question is, how is it all going to fit together for the 49ers? Now, the one thing is, I have a different level of faith with the guy commanding the Niners offense than other people. Like, I think if there's one guy that's going to figure it out and get everybody working, put it together eventually is Shanahan, because I think the hallmark of Kyle Shanahan, the testament, there's one trait I would say that makes Shanahan remarkable as a head coach to me. It's not the offense. It's not just his management of people. It's not the fact that he has a clear, he has clear conviction in what his football philosophies are. It's the fact that his teams improve throughout the season. And I think that is so underrated how much players get better throughout the course of the season. And yeah. it, they improved in 17, they improved in 18, they improved in 19, they improved in 20, they improved in 21. That's something that I think is something he does better than his peers in the NFL is that he gets his teams to improve through the course of the season. But do they improve through the course of the season or do they just suck to start the season? Like Debo I mean, Samuel you can look at it. is really, really good, right? IU, Kittle, all these guys yeah. are really good. Why can't they be really good when the season starts? That's well, the weird I, I thing. Was, I was more talking about some of the younger players, right? Like, look at Aaron okay. Banks. Look at where he started preseason camp this season, and now look he's at where he's playing very right good. now. Right? He's been way even better than Brendel, I thought he was going to be. Even Brendel, who's kind of the weakness on their offensive line. Week to week, he's getting better. On defense, we're seeing so many young guys that are playing better as they keep playing which is obvious right I mean it seems like that logic is so simple yet it wasn't used to the quarterback right if he plays he gets better but way besides the point not the conversation <laughs> for a victory Monday I'm sorry about going there I but, know I feel like you're being the negative one today I am I'm being negative I I, I don't know why I it's just I cannot get my, like as excited as I am that they won Rob like and I know Christian McCaffrey is phenomenal. Like, I don't feel like I learned anything new about the 49ers because I've seen that exact same performance 10 times over against That's that exact fair. same football team. And I know they match up well against the Rams. I know that they are too physically overwhelming for the Rams. They just get out physical. The Rams are too small a football team to compete with the Niners. And Fred Warner, who I think has not gotten enough credit in terms of being talked about, I think this season Fred Warner has been unbelievably good in coverage that's been kind of going under notice just because a lot of the assignments he's been taking on have been kind of putting him in positions where if he is doing a good job covering you're kind of not going to see what he's doing because the ball is going to go away from him because of the way they've been structuring their defense a little more this year to feature Hufanga as opposed to Warner who was kind of their featured guy in coverage the last few years 
But either way, I, I thought he set a physical tone yesterday. And that was one thing that Dre Greenlaw has been doing this season. And I was concerned that they might miss it with him being out. Because there's one thing that Greenlaw brings is he's the hardest hitter uh, on that defense, I, w- I would say, probably. Him or Hufanga. Uh, I mean, Greenlaw certainly flies around like he's Yeah, Greenlaw. Like he's I, I feel like, yeah. And so either way, I thought they would miss it. And I thought Warner brought that. And and so I know that they can out-physical the Rams. I know they can beat the Rams playing the exact way they played yesterday. But I also know that, you know, this is the same team that as talented as I think they are, as good as I know they can be, and they show it against Seattle, against Carolina, against the Rams. Like, you see it. I also have the Atlanta game, which was just two weeks ago, the Kansas yeah, City game. That's yeah. fair. I mean, they have been maddeningly inconsistent. The one thing I like, though, and we have to get to this because I keep seeing it on the bottom of my screen and I just want to play the, the, the clip. The unbelievable luck that the 49ers had in the third quarter. Christian McCaffrey is running the ball. And if you're watching the stream, you can see it right now. And he gets hit by Jalen Ramsey and the ball comes flying out. And there is six Rams around the football and there is one 49er and he is sitting on his ass and the ball floats directly down into the arms of Ray Ray McLeod. And he makes the most important catch that Ray Ray McLeod has made this entire season. And that is recovering the ball when the Niners were down by four, trying to come back in the third quarter. It's unbelievable, Vish, that the ball just happened to go right to him. But here's the thing is that the 49ers took advantage of that, right? Like, it's okay for good things to happen to the Niners. It's okay for them to get a little bit lucky sometimes. That doesn't invalidate what happened because it wasn't a given that they would score after that, yet they took the ball right down the field and they stuck it in the end zone. Yeah, to me, to me, before that moment, it felt like a team that was kind of like they expected to come in and do what they did in the second half against the Rams from the beginning. And they were a little bit stunned with how that game was kind of going. And then they they had a third down stop on the drive before, which was their first. They had allowed six straight conversions, and then it was third yep. and three, and they finally got a stop. They ran a little stunt with Bosa and Fred Warner, and Bosa got pressure, rolled Stafford out. He threw it away. They finally got a stop. And it felt like that kind of kicked them into gear, gave them a little bit of momentum. And then this, whatever it was, it was some sort of – Somebody tweeted at me and I thought it was hilarious. Whatever divine intervention was involved in making sure <laughs> McLeod was right there, that it really was a divine intervention, you know. But that's kind of really what it was. It was pure luck. And um, you do need that luck to win a football game. It goes into every football game. So I don't really discredit the 49ers for being lucky. I can't discredit them. There's luck involved in every game. I can credit them for taking advantage and finally doing what they should have done in that first half itself because these two teams don't match up on paper, Rob. We're talking about a 49ers team that's, what, plus 29 in point differential this year? They're 500 and they're plus 29, which tells you what? The team is loaded. When they're right, they're shellacking people. We know how good they can be. The issue is consistency. It's not talent. We know how good they can be. We know it. This Rams team is like minus 29 in point differential, (laughs) which tells you what? They freaking stink. 
anytime they play a good team that McVay and Stafford and Cup and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey can't have their thumbprints on making enough good plays to make sure that they beat a bad team and manage the game right way to beat a bad team. Anytime they play a team with the semblance of talent, whether it's Buffalo, the 49ers, they get destroyed. Yeah, it's not been good for the Rams. Uh, Tom is America watching on Twitch says between the fumble recovery and the Higby drop, it seemed like the 49ers were destined to win. That Higby drop was massive. Uh, I thought I had a clip of it for you, but apparently it's not working. So shout out to StreamYard for that. But that again, I mean, Higby is wide open. It's third down. If he catches that ball, he's going to run. He might even score because there was nobody there. That's a touchdown because they they had it right. D'Amico Ryan's blitz just about every third down yesterday. And McVeigh had so many good answers to the blitz. And they still kept bringing pressure, but they started getting stops on third down because that pressure started to get home, whatever. They brought pressure again. And this was after two straight third and shorts that they failed because one was pressure because of um, Nick Bosa. That was the one we just talked about. And then the next one, if I remember correctly, I think Fred Warner got a sack on the next third down. Let's talk about that then, because in the first half, the Rams had D'Amico Ryan's number. Every time D'Amico Ryan's blitzed, the Rams threw a screen and it worked almost every time. And he was totally neutralizing the 49ers blitz in the first half. In the second half, the Rams did not have nearly the same amount of success. Nick Bosa actually said after the game, once we realized that all they were going to do is go to screens and we weren't going to be able to get sacks, we kind of adjusted the way we were rushing. And after that, they didn't have as much success. Do you think the 49ers adjusted in the second half, or do you think that they the stuff that they had been doing in the first half, which wasn't working, just suddenly started working? I, I think it's a little bit of both. Like I don't think they I don't think they did anything particularly different in the sense that like they threw out the plan. It felt like they originally have the plan they always have against the Rams. It just felt like all of a sudden, instead of going straight to get the quarterback when they were rushing, okay, let's be cognizant of what's going on in front and make sure we're aware if there's a screen coming out. And there was a couple of times Higby tried to leak out. They actually did a phenomenal job of this. The Rams love running tight end screens with Higby. Where yeah. Higby blocks for a second, his man comes free, and Stafford just lobs it like a lollipop over the top. And Higby's pretty good after the catch. They get a couple guys in front, and Higby is able to create space. They busted that screen, I think, two times yesterday where the end just didn't let Higby go forced him to block for an extra second Stafford's got to let the ball go because you got you know linemen coming up the field and linemen going up the field and he's lobbing that ball to nowhere even one Kevin Burkhart thought he was throwing the ball to Cooper Cup who was actually the lead blocker on the play but they just busted that screen so I do think it was some of that but then in terms of the adjustments Rob I I don't think that they did like anything so different beyond that and that's where like I I look at the Rams offense and it's a piece of cake for the 49ers (laughs) they can't run the ball yeah they have one guy they can really scheme open they have one guy who's really capable of getting open Allen Robinson had a couple of plays yesterday but I mean it was hard watching them trying to throw a goal line fade three times to him inside the five yard line. Right. But it showed you what McVay thought of his offense. He said, but- I can't run the ball. I can't drop my quarterback back because we can't block them. I have to just keep hoping they blitz, keep hoping my defense keeps the lead, 
keep hoping we can force a couple of turnovers. We force Garoppolo to make a couple of mistakes, and I can stay seven points ahead and just manage this game. Screen, 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 get a field goal. Screen, 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 screen. Stafford makes a couple <laughs> plays on third down. We get a touchdown on that drive. But that's really what the game plan was. I tweeted at the beginning of the game, like, I don't expect what the Rams are doing on offense to continue. It's also not the kind of quarterback Stafford is, which is kind of the problem with their team right now, right? Stafford is this streaky quarterback. When he gets hot and he starts going in the drop back pass game, he's seeing it. He's throwing it like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he had a phase in that second quarter where Stafford was just gunning it and he was just making people miss in the pocket. He was yeah. making it look easy. He was making some big time throws, but the, the, one drawback with Stafford, the one thing I would say that's always kept him from being a tier one quarterback and always fitting into, into the tier two guys that we say are franchise caliber quarterbacks, you would pay them a lot of money, but we're not going to put him in the conversation with Brady, Breeze, Manning, those Rodgers, those type of guys, is that he also gets cold and his accuracy can sometimes lose. He can lose his accuracy and he can make a couple of mistakes. And so you have to deal with the hot and cold. And there was no way he was going to matriculate the ball 17 play drives multiple times to score. The big thing was the 49ers offense had to be able to score points to me. And once the 49ers offense started scoring points, this game was over. But the 49ers did adjust in one way, Vish, and it's something uh -huh. that they have never been able to do. Do you know how many passes Cooper Cup caught in the second half of this game? How many? One. And it One. came on the last possession when he got hurt at the end of the game. That was the only pass that Cooper Cup caught in the second half. And Cooper Cup has owned the 49ers in their matchup and owned them in the first half. The, the Cup had seven catches for 73 yards and a touchdown in the first half of the game. In the second half, he didn't do anything. He was gone. Now, maybe some of that was the Rams not calling good plays or whatever. But something changed at halftime because they stopped him and they never do that. Yeah, I look, I, I don't know. I they always put a lot of bodies towards Cup, but the difficult thing to stopping Cup and, and it's kind of like stopping Debo is that a lot of the ways the Rams get in the ball, ball is kind of within flow of their offense. So you can't really, you know, put two guys on him if he's going to motion three different times and then they're going to throw a screen to him. Like it's very hard to, you know, have two guys on him. And I, I, I understand what you're talking about, and I think it was an adjustment. Out of, I actually love to go back and see what they did because I've always thought their plans in terms of guarding Cup are sound. It's really hard to prevent Cup from catching seven, yeah. eight balls at this point, the way they use him. It's just – it's very hard. But – and I, I didn't get to go back and watch it this morning. But the one thing I would say, Rob, is I thought game situation kind of – took them out of that because the Rams weren't really dropping back on first down, right? A lot of cups first down usage was jet sweep, which I think jet sweep screen McVay would probably chart the same way as a run. So you say he had only that one catch. If I remember correctly, I think he had a couple of jet sweeps on early downs in that second half. But if you look at a lot of the Rams early downs, it was screen, it was run, it was screen and try to get to third and five or less for Stafford. And when they got to third and five last, that was really the true dropback situation is where they've kind of struggled with Cup. But that second half, if you look at the true dropback, right? First one brings pressure. Stafford stands in the face of pressure. Gibson's one-on-one -on -one with Allen Robson, Robinson. It's man coverage across the board. Robinson in breaking route. Stafford drills it to Robinson. First down. I think it was 13 or 14 yards. The second one, 
this was after the six straight third down conversions. This was the one we just talked about. Bosa got pressure. Then I think the immediate next third down was a Fred Warner sack. And I think by that time, the Niners were already up two scores in the game. And once they were up two scores, if they were even up a score, once McVay had to actually drop Stafford back, he, he, he put cooked. up the white flag. He didn't even try. He That's was what like, Bosa yeah, said after no the chance. game. Bosa said they gave up. His exact quote was, I was surprised they gave up a little bit early. They started running the ball on third down. Bosa was like, I wanted to rush the passer more. Yeah, they, they knew they couldn't block him. I think Bosa also had a sack on the, the third down right after that one. The Fred Warner's sack. By the way, I feel so good for myself, just aside. Bosa's over-under on sacks for the year was like 11, 11 and a half, something like that. Did you take the over? Of course I took the over. He's got eight already, and he missed two games, basically. Sorry. I know nobody cares. It's it's so funny to me how how much he improves. Like, usually, and I I give this excuse for players all the time, when they're hurt in an offseason, they don't improve. There was one weakness of Nick Bosa after his rookie year. It was just finishing plays right he really struggled to corral the quarterback once he got pressure he was the pressure king and to Nick Bosa's um in his career before the season last year he for such a great player right a guy who was a five-star recruit out of high school superstar at Ohio State his first NFL season is one of the great seasons for a rush end in the history of the NFL his playoff run is magical he had one of the great Super Bowl performances by a D lineman we've ever seen he had never had more than 10 sacks he had never had 10 sacks in a season in his career he didn't do it at Ohio State he didn't do it with the Niners he gets hurt one year goes back comes off rehabbing his ACL he's even better and this (laughs) weakness is totally gone yeah he's absurd he's just an absolute machine uh, all right, let's get into this because I saw a lot of this last night and I tried to talk people down as much as I try to be all positive on Sunday after a win. I did see a lot of tweets like this. This comes from Tony Montana on the YouTube page. When you look at the rest of the schedule, there's no reason why we can't win every game, period. And that may be true. There's no reason why they can't. But will they? No. So the question I'll put to you is how many do you think they will win? The rest of the season. Let, let me pull up the schedule real quick. I want to do this the right way. And the one thing I want to say to that comment, and I hate to be this person, because typically I, I I usually enjoy just, you know, letting you say these type of things <laughs> and then me kind of agree with you, but just sit here and listen and read the comments while people say stats, you're so negative stats, you're such a hater, blah, blah, blah. But when I look at the 49ers schedule on paper and when I think of what caliber of talent I think they have, how good their team I think it can be, how good I think their coach is, and I look on paper, I don't see any reason why they're 4-4 four and four today. To me, it looks like a 7-1 and one team. If I just looked at the schedule, looked at the team, looked at the roster, Kansas City is really the only team I would have picked. Actually, I think Kansas City is the only game I've picked this year for the 49ers to lose. Every other game I've said they're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. It's because that's how highly I think of them. That's how highly, and that's also how lowly I've thought of their opponents thus far, besides Kansas City. And guess what, Rob? They're right down the middle on in through eight games. They're four yeah. and four. So I agree, right? Like, 
there's no reason on paper to doubt the 49ers, right? Sunday but there night, was no reason they should have lost four games too. Yeah. Exactly. That that would be my only point, right? Because even if you look at this game on char- against the Chargers, and I do this before every 49ers game, I can tell you right now, I know it's two weeks from now. I know we're talking about the 49ers off of one of their best performances of the season. So mm-hmm. they're at their highest high for us right now. I don't think there's any way in hell the Chargers – with their antiquated offense is going to have the Niners defense is going to be all over their offense. They're going to get pressure on Herbert. No, Rashawn Slater is going to be a, is it's, it's going to be the biggest. They're going to feel that loss the biggest they've ever felt it this weekend because the Niners pass rush is going to be as healthy and hungry as ever. But here's the problem. I also look at the chargers defense and I think the Niners offense 26 ran run defense, so many issues stopping the run, how Christian McCaffrey looked. And I thought Jeff Wilson has looked pretty good the entire season. And I thought the way they used him yesterday was great. Yes, that's um, how he should be used. Christian McCaffrey. And I thought he was a big contributor yesterday. But anyway, Rob, I say all this to say that I think the Niners shouldn't just beat the Chargers next week. I look at this matchup on paper and I think, yeah, two touchdowns. This should be comfortable. This should be like the Niners should show that there is a difference between them and the Chargers because I think there is a difference. But to me, Rob, they've not shown that this entire football season. And so as much as I would like to sit here and say what Tony said, because I do think the sentiment in and of itself is an accurate one. On paper, the 49ers should not be, you know, they should not, they should be favored in every game for the rest of the season because you look at the schedule and you look at how capable this team is and the number of stars they have. It shouldn't be an issue, but right now they're four and four. They're batting right down the middle. And so it's very hard for me to say that that paper means anything because I would have them at seven and one on paper right now. They can beat anybody and they can lose to anybody. It's a weird phenomenon, but the only team that stops the 49ers is the 49ers, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo throwing turnovers, whether it's Kyle Shanahan not going for it and being aggressive enough on fourth down, whatever the case may be, I feel like they are the only team that stops them, which is a really weird thing to say. So it's hard to look at the rest of the schedule and say, well, that's a win. That's a loss. Yada, yada, yada. We don't know. I do get a little nervous. Look, Justin Herbert is a mutant. Okay. He is not on this planet. And anytime you're playing that kind of quarterback, they can go God mode. And we just don't have that kind of quarterback. Now, luckily we have a lot of other pieces that the quarterback doesn't always have to. But, yeah, I do get a little bit nervous when we're facing the better quarterback. It's not – It's I wouldn't even say, Rob, it's about doing the alien things <laughs> Herbert does. It's about just not making mistakes, right? In a crucial game when you're playing a team that you know you're better than, mistakes are why you lose the game. And the fact yep. that you know you can't rely upon – like, again, I cannot reiterate this enough. He was outstanding yesterday. If he played the way he played yesterday, the Niners would be 7-1. and one. And it wasn't that he did anything particularly great. It was just the efficiency he operated with. That's totally fair. Jimmy had a good game. 21 to 25, 235 yards, two touchdowns. One of his best games as a 49er. Uh, I think that's pretty fair to say. And like we said, they looked good yesterday. And you know what else was really good? And I was stunned at this was the Kyle Shanahan quote, how he started his postgame press conference right after the game. No injuries to report that it's the first game all year where they didn't lose a starter. The first game is week eight. It's absurd. Um, Now I want to throw this caveat out there. 
Kyle Shanahan has not had his Monday conference call yet. We always oh. learn more about the injuries on the conference call. Don't forget, Debo Samuel wasn't hurt until that Monday conference call last week, and he ended up not playing. So we have to wait. Kyle right now is scheduled to speak at 3.30 p.m. Eastern uh, Pacific time, excuse me, although they usually end up moving that. But so we'll see. But if that could be massive going into a week off, no additional injuries, Vish, that could be honestly a game changer for the yeah. Niners. Yeah, it should be, right? It should be. It should be, Rob. And this team is only going to get better as they get healthier. To me, they still very much miss Eric Armstead. Yes. I don't know why people don't want to talk about Eric Armstead, but they miss Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead is a dominant force in the interior of this defense, and he makes him, he makes so he makes so many other players on this defensive line better. And when they get him back, they will be a significantly improved team. To me, they miss Javon Kinlaw too. And yep. I know Javon Kinlaw is a guy that gets scrutinized a lot, but here's uh, two things I've always said Javon Kinlaw does really well. One, his size, Rob, he, like it's, it's impactful. So this is the NFL. Look, a lot of people like romanticizing David versus Goliath narratives. And they like this David versus Goliath story. That's why, right, people like to romanticize Tom Brady, even though Tom Brady was drafted out of high school in the MLB. So, you know, he, he might actually be a pretty decent athlete. He played catcher, too. So the guy's got a pretty good arm. But people like romanticizing this unathletic, ugly 40 time because they love the David versus Goliath story. I'm not like that. I like Goliath. I think having size especially in sports, is very important. And Javon yep. Kinlaw's size is a difference maker, let alone the fact that I think he is the best defensive, one of the best defensive linemen in the 49ers in the sense that he doesn't always get pressure, but because he doesn't do that, he plays with great awareness. So how many times do you see him diagnose his screen and kind of keep his depth and understand that, you know, linemen are letting him go up the field and be able to, you know, stuff his screen? or be able to get his hands up and affect the quarterback's vision. And then, of course, having more size, talent, um, players on your defensive line for the 49ers is always a good thing. So I think they miss those two players. And I, I think, obviously, getting Debo back is going to be humongous. I, I, I think that Debo is – I don't – Rob, personally, this is a hunch for me. I think this hamstring's been bothering Debo for – a little bit longer than just this week. I think it's been a couple weeks that he's just been playing through it because to me, Debo has not looked like Debo the last couple weeks. And I've been saying that I've been saying, I don't know what the reason why is. And now I suspect it might be that hamstring. So getting him fully healthy, geared up will obviously make a huge impact. But, and then Mitchell, I think that's the other guy, Rob, that's going to make a big impact because if there's one thing you can say about Christian McCaffrey, and I don't think you could have said it two years ago, but I think I would say it today is as quick as he is, as agile as he is, as strong as he is, as good as he is at everything, he maybe just doesn't have the game-breaking, game-changing speed, speed. anymore yep. to go 60. He might go 40, but he doesn't go 60. Elijah Mitchell has that. And that's the one thing this offense is kind of missing right now. It was supposed to be Debo, but obviously Debo's been banged up and not been providing the same level of just instant explosion, instant big play opportunities. And that's the one thing I think that they miss with Elijah Mitchell and they're going to get it back. And I, I'm excited to see him in just a role like that off of a great player like Christian McCaffrey. Well, that's the really interesting thing. And then we, we haven't really talked about that, right? We've talked about what does CMC look like when Debo comes back. When Mitchell comes back, then it's like, wait, wait a minute, because you have McCaffrey, who is obviously going to be the third down back. 
but you've got him on all passing downs. And then you bring in Elijah Mitchell, who's the only real knock on Elijah Mitchell is that he hasn't been able to stay healthy out there. Right. If you lighten the load on him and you can get some of those explosive plays, almost like kind of like a, I don't want to say thunder and lightning situation because it's not totally accurate, but no. a situation where you've got this two-headed monster in the ground game, that is going to be a tremendous advantage. And uh, Guy Haberman brought this up, and I kind of agree with him. You, you look at the players in the 49ers offense, George Kittle, fifth-round pick, Debo, second-round pick, Elijah Mitchell obviously was a late-round pick, Brandon Ayuk was a first-round pick, but McCaffrey's really like the first like blue-chip guy that they have had in the Kyle Shanahan era. And so when you see what he did with him, it's like, oh, that's in what terms he of just do. skill positions, right? Yes, yes, yes. That's what because I because mean, I yeah. would argue the first blue chip guy they brought into this offense was Trent Williams, right? Right. Superstar in high school, yes. five star recruit, hundred percent superstar at Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay. But like you get a really good. It's what makes the Chiefs so good, right? They've got really good players like Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, with really good play caller and Andy Reid. And Stunner, they're amazing. Well, guess what? Now we're seeing what the 49ers can do. And then you throw in a guy like Elijah Mitchell, who all of a sudden, you know, is incredible as the second running back, as the chains of change of pace mm -hmm. running back. Now you really got kind of like a, it's almost like a baseball lineup. Like it's a longer lineup. There's there's less like automatic outs. There's more people that you have to deal yeah. with. Yeah. I and I don't think it's like in Ahmad Bradshaw, um, Derek Ward. Do you remember that trio wow, of running backs? Brandon Derek Jacobs. Ward, Brandon Jacobs, and Ahmad Bradshaw after There's they won mention. the Super Bowl in 2007 and 2008, that three-headed monster. I don't think it's going to be that where each person brings a different element to the run game. I think it's going to be Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, where you have two really good backs all around. One's a super-duper star, and one would start for half the teams in the league. But just guess what? You're lucky that you have Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison so now your run game doesn't drop off no matter how many times you run the ball in the game. That's how I think it'll be. Jason Mears on the YouTube page says, Elijah Mitchell still needs to get more interior carries, preserve C-Max legs, less interior carries. Here's the thing about McCaffrey, though, and I think it's why Shanahan likes him. He can run between the tackles. There was a couple plays. I think um, Brian Baldinger had a really cool breakdown of like, yeah, there's a big hole, but you know what? McCaffrey runs right through the arm tackle, yeah. the middle linebacker. Like, I think that's why Kyle likes him. I, I actually disagree with this point, funnily enough. I Look, I don't think interior carries, it's not just to me all about bodies with how a running back runs, and this is coming from someone because my entire lifetime was growing up watching Frank Gore, who two ACL yeah. injuries didn't make him explosive enough to just outflank people and run wide zone, right? He ran in between the tackles, and to me the hallmark of Frank Gore was that he was impossible to hit. It's something I've described with Lamar Jackson. It's a reason I believe in his durability because I think that Gore was such a special athlete. He ran so low and he had such an ability to make people miss that he didn't get hit. I'm not saying McCaffrey is that level, but if you watch McCaffrey run in between the tackles because of his superior vision, patience, and processing, he knows when to hit it with decisiveness, full speed, and acceleration. And then he knows when to wait and kind of let his blocks develop, set up his blocks. So it's very hard to just square up and get a clean shot on him. Mitchell, on the other hand, and I think this is why <laughs> Mitchell has dealt with so much lower injury contact throughout his career. He, he reminds me of Tevin Coleman, very upright runner who's going to hit it really hard and with full speed no matter what. And I think that's what Shanahan loves about him 
because when you do block it right, because of how hard he hits it, you have a chance to score every time he hits it. But that also leads to, you know, when there's nothing, Mitchell takes some massive hits and he runs upright, basically. So he takes a lot of massive hits on his lower body. I thought that's where he lost some explosion and juice a lot when he played as a rookie, but he's so tough. He he competed through the injuries and battled it out, right? And then this year, he looked as explosive as we've ever seen him, and then he got hurt. So to me, actually, I, I, I think that more so than McCaffrey, they're preserving Mitchell because I don't think Mitchell's run style and the way he runs is conducive to lasting. I mean, McCaffrey, the durability question to me with McCaffrey is tied solely to the fact that he plays the running back position, and we have decided once a running back gets their first injury, that means they're just going to get hurt all the time because McCaffrey's durability actually – and his durability history, it's pretty amazing. Like, he's played wow. four game, four years of 17 games at running back, right? He well, played pro- college fully. Right, but the problem was he played every game his first three years, and then his next three years, he only played 16 games combined. So people's people were like, he played every game, he got a ton of touches, and mm-hmm. now they've worn him out. I don't think it was like, oh, he's injury prone. I think it's like... Maybe the Panthers just used him up, but I think we saw clearly he's he's still he's maybe not 100 percent of what he was, because I agree the top end speed, I think, is gone. He only ran. I say only he ran like a four or five something, I think, coming out. Yeah, of Stanford. Yeah. But but so, but then his first couple years, he was like like, you know, the play that he got tackled at the one and then scored at the one. Yeah. First year, Christian McCaffrey, second year, scores. Christian McCaffrey scores. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But you know what? Like, if that's what he's lost that's okay. Like we can deal with that. There's still plenty left in the tank. Um, so it was, it was just so nice yesterday. And and I agree with you. I, I said it before the game started. We have to see this against somebody else. We have to see it against somebody else. So we're going to find out in two weeks against the chargers. Is this the 49ers are getting better. They're going to make a run. They certainly think it is. If you listen to them after the game, Fred Warner said it in the huddle in the locker room after the Mm -hmm. game. Like, time to go, guys. Like, time to go on our run. So they fully expect it. One thing I thought was really interesting, D'Amico Ryans told the Fox broadcast team that the defense lost their swagger the last two weeks and that they needed to get it back this week. And I think they did, but I thought that was interesting because they are never short on swagger. So they were kind of staggered a little bit the last two weeks. If they've gotten that back now, going forward and they're going to get healthy like you talked about then maybe we are at the beginning of this run if they show it against the chargers will you believe then oh i mean i believe right i believe in this team being capable of putting together these performances that's why i think they should be seven and one today um i don't believe in this team's consistency and to me again if they showed against the chargers i'll be closer to believing what will it take when will you be like all right i'm convinced that they've turned over a it new doesn't league. even have to be that they win the next five games but i if i see a level of consistency over the next five games in terms of the play in terms of what's going on not a consistency in terms of we're gonna make eight more mistakes than the other team so we're ultimately gonna make sure the other team stays in the game and then they somehow beat us i'm talking about consistency in the sense that we play good clean physical football that's philosophically aligned with how we want to play to me the results are a little bit more moot because I can look at the football team and know if 
they're playing well or not, if that makes sense, right? Like, I, if we still look at the record today, they're only four and four, Rob. There's like four teams in the NFC with a better record, and we still look at them today, and we're just we're put moving the 49ers to the top of the list next to Philadelphia. That would be oh man, Philly looks Philly looks freaking good, man. I'll say that. I wanted to ask you this, Rob. Though, oh, all right, go ahead first about Philadelphia. Well, no, I was just gonna. I was going to say, I'll start to buy in. Like, that Arizona game to me is interesting because Arizona is not a good team. They clearly have issues with their coach and with their quarterback, but they always, always, always give the 49ers problems. So if they went into that Arizona game, I know it's in Mexico, whatever, beat the brakes off the Cardinals, then I'll be like, all right, maybe this is sort of a new era for this team, at least in this season, a new chapter, so to speak. So that's, to me, when I would start to believe. I mean, and Arizona's kind of a troubling team, actually, if you look at the matchup for the Niners, because Arizona's offense and culture and everything is an absolute mess, but their defense has quietly been playing better and better as the season has worn on this year. And I would actually venture to say they have a pretty good defense at this point. And the one thing Arizona's always done defensively, besides the one time they played, um, actually on Halloween, this day feels great, baby, you know, three years ago. When they played Jimmy Garoppolo, what yeah. I would consider Garoppolo's best performance as a 49er, that was kind of the moment in 2019 when I think all of us felt like this team could win the Super Bowl because that was the first game in 2019 where Garoppolo truly played like a quarterback the cali- that wasn't getting just simply carried by his team, which was kind of the case up to that point. And um, I, besides that, they've, they've found ways to turn him over. And I think that's the one thing that still remains my question mark with the Niners. Cause right. Cause like today we're talking about the Niners beating the Rams, but we're also, you know, talking about them giving opportunities to turn the football over and not turning the football over right. in those opportunities. And so because Gar- and it, I guess my consistency, maybe it revolves around Garoppolo. I don't know if it does, but for me, if, if I could see that growth over the next, it doesn't have to be five games like I originally said, next two or three games, yeah, I'm in because I believe this team is that talented. But Rob, I wanted to go another place with you. You and I began this show last week talking about leadership with the 49ers. Yep. And where is it going to come from? And I love that you brought up that the defense lost the swag because I heard that quote too. But I also thought they refound their swag and they refound their swag because of two people. One was the third down that I'm going to keep talking about. It seems I'm the only one who cares about the third down. The Rams converted six straight third downs. And then that seventh one, they finally got pressure, right? And Nick Bosa got pressure when they needed pressure. And I think it's a hallmark of Nick Bosa's career. When you need Nick Bosa the most, Nick Bosa plays the best football he he needs to play. He always comes through in big downs, big games, big moments. That's who Nick Bosa is. And then Swansong hit it on the head. Fred Warner set a tone in this game. This is the most physical I've seen Fred Warner play this season. He came out with a mission to set a physical tone in this game. He played outstanding, right? The 12 tackles, the sack, the pass defense, the two tackles for a loss, all of the two quarterback hits, the one tackle for a loss, all of it, right? And I'm going to go a little historical because this swan song reminds this. You reminded me of this, right? Last time the Niners, they went to St. Louis right after an ugly loss on the road against Seattle when Colin Kaepernick, everybody thought had taken the next step. They threw for 412 yards week one versus Green Bay, 412 yards, three touchdowns, the Anquan Bolden 200-yard game. I think Vernon Davis had 90-plus yards and a touchdown. 
six grabs, 98 yards, and a touchdown, if I remember correctly, for Vernon Davis. Now I'm just showing off, but yeah, like I say all of this. Land the plane, Vish. Where are you going? I say all of this to say, then you had that horrible week with Indianapolis for the 49ers. And in 2013, that week, a lot of us thought we were done, not because of their football team, because Alden Smith that week was caught in front of a school at 7 a.m. or 6 a.m., drunk driving right it was a pretty horrific incident and then they allowed alden smith to play against indianapolis which was a very controversial decision indianapolis had just traded for trent richardson at the time um and they indianapolis obliterated them in san francisco i think they had to go on a short week too and play thursday night at st louis they had a bunch of injuries from the colts game people thought they were done and Vic Fangio blitzed the heck out of Navarro Bowman. And Navarro <laughs> Bowman had, I thought, what a game that should have clinched what should have been a defensive player of the year season for Navarro Bowman in 2013. Luke Keekley got it because of what I call East Coast bias. Where are anyway, you going with this, Vish? That performance from Fred Warner right here against the Rams, Rob, reminded me of that. And it was particularly because of how much D'Amico Ryans blitzed him and the impact he had as a pass rusher in this game, especially on those third downs in the second half, that stunt when they brought him with him and Bosa and then the sack he had, that's what this reminded me of. And when we're talking about leadership, to me, that was an all-time performance from a player who is the leader of the 49ers and I think has been criticized rather unfairly so far this year. Well, what took so long, dude? That's what I would say. Like, he had not played well the past couple weeks. And I agree he played much, much better. I think partly because he has, like, no respect for the Rams whatsoever. But, like, when you're the guy and you're the leader of the defense and you're the guy that's paid the way he's paid, you got to set that tone in week one, not week eight. Like, what took so long? That's what I would ask. Rob, why do you have to ask that? I Look, I just... I want to know because everything you're saying makes sense, but he should have brought all of that earlier in the year. I see this tweet from Jordan Elliott. The Rams offense has been held under 300 total yards just five times in 27 games since the start of 2021. All five were versus the 49ers. Four of the five have been against the 49ers. Man, (laughs) it is. And you see it. It's in the Rams heads. When stuff starts to go bad, they start yelling at each other. They start talking trash to the kicker like Jalen Ramsey did to Robbie Gold. Again, for some weird reason, they spiral, they snowball, and it's in their heads. They know eight straight losses. Eight straight. They weren't thinking about the NFC Championship game. They were thinking about the other seven games in a row that they had lost. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Rob. Okay, two things. One, to add to this point, yes, they're absolutely thinking about it. It's so far in their head. I thought they would be a little more confident this year coming off the Super Bowl win and getting over the hump in the NFC Championship game. But it's resumed to exactly how it should look when you look at these two teams on paper. The Rams just get owned on both lines of scrimmages, which ultimately is why they keep losing every single one of these games. Also, just a side note, uh, Michael Wilhoit started next to Navarro Bowman in that game because Patrick Willis got hurt. Orenberg wow. started next to Fred Warner here okay. today. Come on, Rob. Come on. This- and then you're talking about these corner kicker beefs. That reminds me of Asante Samuel and David Akers and their little beef. Like, Rob, you're taking us right back to 2012 and 2013 right now. Well, Fish, I think you need a nap. <laughs> Let's focus on the present here. 
unbelievable performance way to go by you there's some really random references in there i think that's going to do it for this week's edition of the show want to remind everybody smash that like button smash that subscribe button if you're watching on the youtube page also please rate review follow the niners nation podcast network there is plenty more coming from us hopefully we're going to have some big name guests coming down the pike this week and possibly next week don't want to say who can't let the cat totally out of the bag but keep your eye open for that I mean, Fish, Rob, I know every, everybody sees you in the mornings on with Kay Adams, so they know they know what kind of cachet Rob Guerrero is bringing. There we here. go. Actually, I some of these I don't have anything to do with, to be totally honest with you. Uh, Kyle Posey's pulling some strings behind the scenes Ooh. as he is want to do, but I know you're going to be off next week, Vish. But that's a perfect yes. time to be off because the Niners are on the bye, so that's okay. I'll have to figure out what we're going to do in this spot without you, though. I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll think of something, Rob. And I, I'm actually just I, I could do the stream. It would just have to be at, at a different time because I'm actually attending a conference for work all week next day. Oh, but we'll, we'll, we'll stay me attending a conference. All right. I know, Rob. It's crazy. It's like field trip for work. This is like the most excited I've been since they <laughs> used to send us on field trips for school. Like, are you kidding me? You're going to pay me to just like sit in this conference and not have to do my like actual work sign me up actually i don't know who's watching this i am very <laughs> excited totally to plugged in yeah. yeah hey look they sit here and pay us to talk about the 49ers so anything is possible enjoy the rest <laughs> of your day everybody vish thank you very much for hopping in enjoy the time off there's nothing like a win going into the bye week show off the shirt all right victory monday baby there you go. Homage. Shout out to Homage again. If you want to pick up some awesome swag, there's a link right in the description on YouTube or in the show notes in the podcast. If you click it, it'll take you right there. They have the best 49ers swag out there. Vish, I'll talk to you next week.